Hey you guys, Radical Ray here, and today I wanted to talk about the illusion of choice. Now what the illusion of choice is something all women basically understand to a degree, but sometimes don't want to fully admit. Now the illusion of choice means that women don't have any free or real choices under patriarchy. Now, people bring up superficial choices in this debate, you know, wearing makeup, not wearing makeup, being vegan, not being vegan, and I can wear whatever I want to wear type of superficial things. Now, what is never acknowledged in this superficial thing is that even when we're making these superficial choices, it's never truly for ourselves. It's for an access. It's through access or for our communities or for our homes or for our job. Uh, let's take wearing makeup for an example. Now, there are several documentaries out there about women escaping North Korea, a very oppressive regime that doesn't really need any more talking about. We all know how oppressive North Korea truly is and how horrible it is for women. These women sneak in makeup through North Korea and to wear it in North Korea, but once they leave North Korea, they become makeup gurus. They submerse themselves in makeup and they absolutely love makeup and they find they find makeup to be very freeing and empowering because they never had the choice in North Korea. And we can say this about some Islamic countries as well. We can say these women find makeup to be very liberating because they've never had the choice. But then we look to other countries where domestic violence happens if a woman is never presentable and she must look a certain way and surgery culture you know women feeling like they need to get lip injections and brazilian butt lifts and liposuction and nose jobs and labiaplasties and all of this in order to be accepted both of these can be called empowering because of how the woman feels but it's not inherently empowering if it's all basically to appease and created by patriarchy. There is no superficial choice in this because our trauma has led us to these responses. And the trauma was from patriarchy. And it was built and bred through us, socialized through us as women to make these choices. A lot of this has come up lately in my social media, and it's about veganism. Whether you are a vegan or not is up to you. Your diet choices are up to you. Because women's capital doesn't really impact capitalism. Women's choice buying doesn't impact capitalism. Capitalism has been surviving just fine without women survived without women for a very long time. We make up a majority of the workforce, true, until the pandemic hit, and then women accounted for the majority, the vast majority of job losses. 
and yet we still find the system to be thriving. Now, the reason for this is because women make up a vast majority of domestic work. And without domestic work, regular work, or however you want to call this, working for a corporation, would be incredibly strenuous or virtually impossible. This is the work women talk about that allows men to be truly, genuinely liberated to make free choices in regards to his capital. Now, I get there are going to be people who say, well, what about men? We have the illusion of choice too. Well, the thing is, you guys have authentic choice because men have the majority of access, capital, rights, all of these things. So if they decide, if all men weren't vegan, capitalism would be forced to change, to acquiesce, to be veganism. If all men decided to wear makeup, then capitalism would have to acquiesce to that. Or if all men decided makeup is bad, we're no longer investing in it, then capitalism would then have to follow suit because men control that. So their access is genuinely far more liberating than women's because regardless if we do or don't buy, these systems are going to be in place. Now let's talk about more illusion of choices that women have and how it bleeds into consent. Because the illusion of choice is more than just superficial. It's also very intimate. When you've been socialized your whole life to be a pornographic object, and when you're in a circumstance that requires that sexual activity from you, you feel very conflicted as to what to say. And these conversations need to be had. Once again, like my last episode, I do mention talking to children about these things. And the reason why I mention this is because I found myself in situations when I was younger that I'm like, I don't really want to say yes. I don't feel comfortable and this is wrong, but I find myself allowing it to happen anyway. I often reflect on this as an adult as well because it's really important for me to reflect on this to understand fully so I can then have a conversation with other girls and other women about this. The illusion of choice here being that women can say no, but what does no really mean if we're socialized and programmed to always say yes? No is almost like this deep sin, this carnal sin. Saying no gets you blacklisted. Saying no gets you sometimes murdered or beat, abused. Saying no means it could be the end of your life. Saying no means the end of your job opportunity, access, safe home, access to cash, access to safety. Saying no is almost virtually impossible for a woman to do 
through socialization and through actions. And the illusion of choice being that we have the option to say no. And this, I mean, is going to be the theme for a lot of my other shows as well. But this is why the Me Too movement was hyper-criticized in so many ways because you ha- you've had women who have been able to say no because of the certain situation that they were in but have never reflected on the fact or the times they always said yes when they necessarily didn't want to say yes. That consent and that intimacy is still the same as sexual consent and intimacy because it's still access to your body, your time, and your mind. Now, just because it wasn't always sexual doesn't mean you've never been put in those places as women or those situations as women. Men are not socialized in this manner. Men and males have never been taught to do this. And it's very important we speak about this socialization because we have trans-identified males, so trans women, claiming that they are women because they share this experience. The reason why they share this experience is because they mimic it because of what they see. It's their misogyny coming through and then internalizing it and then turning it around and saying, this is exactly why I am just like a woman. I cannot say no. This is a red flag we need to see. This is something we, we, it's, it's a mirror being held. So we need to say, okay, this is, this is a problem. If this is what makes you a woman, then this is how society views us. This is how we have to change it. The illusion of choice comes in all forms. If you're a woman in a workforce, you will find yourself sometimes taking on many tasks that you don't necessarily want to take on because you feel like you have to. Your boss asks you to. You're like, okay, well, I can't say no because I don't want this to look bad against me. I want to continuously be given the opportunities for growth and for promotions. And so you continuously say yes, because you feel like you have to work monumentally harder to get to anywhere you need to go. But the truth is you actually do as a woman. It's not even a feeling. That is the truth. And so we find ourselves continuously saying yes to things we don't want to say yes to. We continuously find ourselves allowing abuse and neglect against us because we've been socialized that way. Now let's talk about motherhood and the illusion of choice. I get messages and comments about toxic motherhood. And I'm not going to sit here and say mothers cannot be toxic or women cannot be toxic because that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying we have to acknowledge their illusion of choice as well. And the limitations within your parenting as a mother and as a woman. Because this bleeds into how we socialize 
children and raise families. It's really, really, really important to recognize that a woman's illusion of choice is in her everyday life. And I know it sounds so small, but today I saw a TikTok of a man caring for his children that said, women are always saying men do the bare minimum. If that's the case, hold us accountable. But the thing is, women have continuously tried to hold you guys accountable, and it's always being shrugged off as not a real problem or not a real issue. But if we look to references in books, and one I'm currently reading is called Women's Liberation, we find data proof psychology backing up what is called quote-unquote housewife syndrome. And that is women becoming monumentally depressed, even though she can have a husband who goes to work 24-7, or not 24-7, but a husband who works and pays for everything, and her her whole job, quote-unquote, because they, they put it so simply, right, is to care for children in the home. They go on vacations, they have a car, she has a car, she has everything she wants, she doesn't need to ask for money, she's just given money. You know, her appearance could be freedom of choice, but she doesn't have that. Because as a mom, you can't just go where you want to go. You can't just do what you want to do. You can't just say what you want to say. And you can't just dress how you want to dress. You can't just eat what you want to eat. And you have a very hard structured time. Nothing you do is free from all of these things. And so... This bleeds into how you raise children and how you navigate your family circle and the pressure to always be perfect and always be present is so immense. There's also this fear of child protective services being called for the most irrational of things. So then this manifests itself differently for women and their lack of access to doctors and therapists and all these other things can lead to harshness, abrasiveness, and what some people would call toxicity. And I always ask for people to hold a space of forgiveness for their parents for these reasons, or for their mother in particular for this reason. Because we have to acknowledge that the women before us and the women before them did not have choice as well. And it's really important to not take these things very personally because they're not personal. It's once again, a trauma response. And you will hear me saying that a lot through all all of my podcasts. This is a trauma response women are having to patriarchy. And the reason why I call it a trauma response is because women, we are acting in many of different ways and all can be considered modern day or even past and present or whatever, hysterical, right? So if we're all acting hysterical or we really don't like something for what we don't understand or for quote unquote a certain reason, that is a trauma response. Us being hypersexual or non-sexual is a trauma response. And what really upsets me is modern wokeism 
tries to put labels on those trauma responses and normalize them. And some of those being like what would be considered asexuality. Now, asexuality is the complete absence of any sexual desire, including masturbation. You don't want sex with anyone, not even yourself, or you're an amphibian. That's what asexuality truly authentically is. But woke culture and queer theory will tell you that asexuality means you desire sex, but you just don't want to have it, or you masturbate all the time, but you don't want any penetration. Various different things. That's not asexual. That's sexual preference with your partner of choice. And that's perfectly normal and healthy. Now, your peaks and valleys of your sexual desire will depend upon who you are. But asexuality, the complete absence of sexual arousal or wanting, is a trauma response just as much as hypersexuality is a trauma response. And so we find this in all of the demographics of modern day society and past society as well. And this is a problem of patriarchy. Hypersexuality, we see it all over the place, all over social media. And we're being told that this is really genuinely sexual liberation for women. And and this is like, oh my god, yes, this is what we need to be as women, this is really freeing, when in reality, majority of these women who are hypersexual are not achieving orgasms, Um, and they're not having sex safely, and they're on perhaps a birth control that's not compatible with them, or they're at higher risk for STDs because they're acquiescing to men who don't want to wear condoms. The problem with hypersexuality is a lot of the culture surrounding hypersexuality is normalizing kinks, which are very abusive to women in particular. It's like daddy dom culture, kitten culture, um, and all these other various things of physically abusing women and your reward is an orgasm, which I've discussed in the past how dangerous that can be. If you start to train your brain that after I hit a woman in bed and spit on her, then orgasm, that this is something I like doing, but you cannot shame me for it because it's a kink. Hypersexuality grooms women to accept this behavior as normal and okay. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm like excluded from this. I think all women have at some point encountered something along these lines and then realized, oh, this is wrong. Now, the opposite of asexuality is just as true. When you don't want anybody touching you and you are repulsed by the fact, it has a lot to do with the fact that you are scared about your body or you don't understand how it works. Now, this is an issue because, especially with female organs, is they're shamed. They're consistently shamed. Um, They didn't publish the anatomy of the clitoris in in the medical journal until 1998. And 
female masturbation is looked at as wrong and the only way women can have sex is through penetration that is what society tells everybody so to be opposite of hypersexual in its asexuality is to have no desire for human contact which is kind of against who we are biologically as humans because we are pack mammals in a sense you know both of these things need to be looked into as uh, hyper prude, hypersexual, and I, I don't even want to use the word hyper prude, but it kind of falls in that definition. And examine to, you know, like what is really going on here. And, and, and for me, if you look at what is going on here, you will find that it's patriarchy at both stems, it's conditioning women to believe about their believe things about their bodies that aren't necessarily true wanted warranted or necessary and we're sacrificing our sexual pleasure for it and we're calling it liberation we're calling it empowerment when it's not that is also the illusion of choice and then we can start getting more into the mainstream about the illusion of choice and things marketed towards women, pink tax, us not being able to access sanitary pads or even the information surrounding sanitary pads, uh, tampons versus pads, um, and how to, how to care for our genitalia. Vaginas are self-cleansing, they're self-washing, you will never need a douche, and the illusion of choice and all around that and how things are marketed towards us. Now, I could go on and on and on about this topic, but I will ask for the new radical feminists or perhaps other people who are not radical feminists listening to do some true examination to understand that women don't have real choice. We only have the illusion of And I think most importantly, and it was currently in my discussions today, that women need to accept the fact that we don't have any real choice. And the reason why I'm saying this is because once we accept it, we can actually move ahead. We can take it, understand where it's not being accepted, and build off of this. I think patriarchy wants to harp on the fact that we have a real choice so we can just keep this minuscule superficial, oh yeah, we can choose what to eat, what to wear, how to look, when in reality, no, we can't. We really can't. And even in radical feminism, we feel like we have to overcorrect for a lot of these things instead of just existing in what makes us comfortable. And. Some of us feel like we have to get up every day and put on a full face of makeup because that's what makes us comfortable and can still be a radical feminist. However, I asked that radical feminist to examine why she feels comfortable in makeup. And then there's the other radical feminist who shaves her head entirely and doesn't wear any makeup and feels like she has to overcorrect for those women. But I asked her, why does she feel comfortable with consistently body hair management? So... It's all of these things, right? It's the illusion of choice. And it, com- and it needs to be completely examined. 
and we need to completely decide on how we're going to go about best to make sure women are liberated to make their free choices. And personally, my take on this is shifting the power dynamics through various means, through education, through medical, through politics, through CEOs, whatever system we have in place for for economics, for economically speaking. And this will be in my next episode about politics and how men cannot truly be leftists. And I know that is sounds like a crazy take, but I do expound on it. But I do think in whatever economic setup we have or political setup we have, I do think the majority need to be women until we have a balance in place. This may take years. This may take centuries. <laughs> I don't know. But I think this is the way to do it. Because it's a multi-dimensional, multi-faceted problem that needs to be corrected. It, there's no one answer for this. There's no one resolution. And really, the only place we can start is by starting appointing biological women to everything. Whether you agree with them or not, whether you find them attractive or not, whether you like them or not, it's important that we do this. And it's important that we do this because, once again, women are socialized incredibly different than men. Thank you guys for listening. Today was a shorter episode. I'm Radical Ray. You can find me on Instagram at R-A-Y-G-U-N-N-Z number three at Instagram. Thank you guys for listening, and I look forward to hearing from you guys next week. Thank you.